Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, for choosing this episode to listen to. I'm very proud of this one with Joel Hartman. He's a really, really cool guy, um, and he's doing things in the baseball and the sports community that are actually very, very beneficial to different types of people, and it's not just all about him and his company. It's about bringing people together and, and making sure that they are success as successful as possible, and you have to respect that, and you got to love um, his work ethic as well. Dude's always busy, so thank you so much, Joel, for being on the show, but without further ado, let's get to it. Here's our interview with Joel Hartman. Welcome to the All Sports Best Podcast. Turn up the volume because it's time for your favorite sports show. Your one-stop shop for sports talk. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to All Sports Best. I'm Trey Gonzalez, and I've got a very special guest on here with us, co-founder of Prospect Dugout on Instagram, uh, social media. You can find them, Joel Hartman. Joel, how are you doing, man? What's up, Trey? How's it going? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for being on, man. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, jumping on. It's really cool to have you, and um, I'm very uh, fond of your work. I think you've got some really cool stuff on social media, and you do a lot of stuff for kids out there that are trying to get seen. So that's appreciate really cool. That, man. So can you give me a little bit on your baseball background to kind of start us off? Yeah, man. I played uh, homeschool baseball in high school. I was one of those guys. Um, walked on to college, played four years of college ball. Um, actually, that's where I met my business partner, Craig Maddox, mm. um, at Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. And when we were there, uh, my, I'm actually a year ahead of him. So when, when my first year, we were under 500. Um, and then two years later, we ended up winning the first national championship in, in school history. Um, then I went on to play five years of independent minor league baseball, did that grind for a while, um, injured my leg. And so I retired in 2012, but since about 2008 or so, actually, yeah, about 2008 or so I started coaching high school baseball in the off season, you know, it kind of helped me out, get ready for my seasons coming up. Um, did that for about 10 years, all the while I was doing, you know, lessons and coaching youth travel ball, running a travel ball organization, things like that on the side. Um, but that's, that's, I've been in baseball since I was five. Wow. Okay, cool. Always. So you have every bit of baseball background that it would take to be uh, a fanatic. Uh, I'm not a fanatic though. I'm a, so like when I watch a game, like I really don't cheer for the, for a team or something. Like I'm watching the players and, and like looking at the players, how they react, how, how they get emotional about the game. Like watching mm. Brett Gardner destroy dugouts, watching big poppy yeah. break telephones in the dugout. Uh, Chris Davis throwing Gatorade coolers, things like that. Just kind of watching them and a lot of positive things too. But like, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself a fanatic. I love the game of baseball. I love seeing other people succeed. Um, I love helping people, you know, battle through, uh, downtimes, injuries, uh, slumps, things like that. And then also, you know, encouraging guys when they're, they're doing well. So you're more of an analyzing guy. You want to see yeah. like, the ins and outs of baseball more than just like the outcomes. Yeah, for sure. Cool. I, I, I know nothing about like the fanatic side of baseball, like the geeky <laughs> side. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, just kind of coming off of your baseball background, you probably had some things that kind of got you pumped up that kind of you know, um, that stood out to you, what baseball, what music did you listen to to get pumped up for either a game or a workout or anything like that? I was definitely a big Linkin Park guy. Okay. Oh yeah. Any, anything, anything around that? I mean, shoot, I could listen to all the Linkin Park albums really. 
Um, that's, that's typically what it was, maybe a little Metallica, um, something that was kind of, you know, hardcore in a sense, um, mm. that just got me going. I wasn't really like a rap guy or anything like that. I really, I mean, I listen to rap music. I'm, I'm fond of, you know, hip hop and stuff like that, but sure. that really didn't pump me up for, for games. Okay, cool. So right now what you do, uh, a big part of what you guys do is, uh, you guys have a really nice, a really, uh, well done Instagram account and that helps to bridge the gap between players and program. I know you do a whole lot more than that, and I want you to expand on that as well. But um, but Instagram has been a big tool on bridging players and programs to, you know, hey, this kid hasn't been seen. He's in a smaller town. He's on Prospect Dugout, and a lot of people are going to contact him. Can you kind of talk about how that's been a big tool? Yeah, for sure. When, when we started the, the brand, the company, back in 2015, we had a great idea as anybody has when they start a business. And then we said to ourselves, how do we tell people about it? So we said, let's try Instagram. Mm. Craig and I really didn't know anything about Instagram. We both had personal Instagram accounts with like three posts on it. So we weren't very active. So what we did was we took the concept of what prospect dugout was about. And that was getting kids exposure outside of showcases and tournaments. So that meant, you know, when they had a game or when they had a highlight or whatever, posting it on social media. So we wanted to build a network where players could post their highlights and get people to, to see them. So we took that concept, put it on Instagram, got to 10,000 followers in about a month, 100,000 followers within the first year. Wow. And it really just blossomed into way more than we ever thought that it was going to be. Like we didn't even really think about Instagram as being part of the business, more so just kind of testing the concept. And, you know, our focus was on the mobile application side of our business, which was, which is, you know, still the, the main focus of our business. And that is a platform for players to create profiles that they can upload their stats, their schedule, their bio, all their information that they would, you know, put into like a perfect game profile, but now they can update it on a daily basis throughout the year, whether or not they go to a perfect game showcase or a prospect wire, prospect select PBR, all those different events out there that, you know, are for the kids and they're helping, you know, they're helping kids out. They're helping the right kids out. There's a lot of guys that, you know, shouldn't be spending the money right now on doing those things. Um, But that's just the way it is right now. So Um, you know, we wanted to create a platform that would help kids get exposure outside of those events. Social media has been a a huge influence on, on more kids getting seen. And that's really sweet. Um, I wanted to hear some of your opinions on these things, because obviously as you bridge that gap, you're also seeing these kids and, and uh, probably kind of recruit or scouting them yourself. What would you say about how big personality is when it comes to, you know, getting recruited? I would say personality is the second thing. Um, it, it could be something that gets gets a scout's attention or a coach's attention, yes, but really they're there looking for the, the sound that the, the ball makes when it hits the catcher's glove, the sound that it makes when it comes off the bat. That's the thing that's going to get their initial attention. And then from there, if you're – always slouching if you're walking on the field if you're you know not a good teammate where you're not encouraging if you strike out and you toss the bat down you get frustrated at a at a summer tournament like those things play a factor into their decision making process if you're an elite player but you have a below average mental capacity or mental side of your game or mental skill set it's really not going to help you so I, I really think you know when, when I coached high school baseball and, and travel baseball I didn't focus on 
the stat side of the game. I did keep yeah. stats for the players, and I wanted kids to know when they were batting 400, when they were batting 200, because that's relevant in the game. But sure. the focus wasn't on the stats. The focus was on, okay, you struck out, and then you whined and cried about it. Well, how is that helping you get ready for your next at-bat? Are you going to mature and get better? Um, something that really stuck with me when I was younger, I heard a quote by Ken Griffey Jr., and he said something along the lines of, I want people – to be able to show up to the park in the middle of the game with a score 10 to nothing mm. and look at me and not know whether I'm winning or losing. Wow. So that really, that really stuck with me. And that's kind of how I carried myself. I was always upbeat in the clubhouse, upbeat in the dugout. Sure. There was times where I got frustrated, but you know, it, it's gotta be something that's in and out. Boom. You come in, you get rid of it. And then you get your focus back and you're worried about, you know, that next play, that next pitch, that next at bat, whatever it may be. So I, I really think that the mental side is, is very important, but you know, you, you have to have the skill set as well. Sure. Um, okay. So I'm going to kind of seek advice from you for some of these kids that are maybe listening and going, you know what, I'm not sure what I should do. I'm in the middle of making a decision. Um, what would, what is your stance on resting baseball players during the winter? Do you think that you know, kids should be encouraged to rest and, and recover or should they keep grinding, keep playing games and, and continue to, to get better? I think that whole topic is being debated by people that have no knowledge of, of that topic. You got parents that are talking about this. You got other coaches that are talking about this and that and whatever, but all the while they're running out there and playing five games in two days, throwing 97 pitches and then going playing shortstop and then playing catcher. Right. Like I wouldn't take advice from a person that's doing that to their child or doing that to a player on their team. Um, so if they're doing that, I, you know, resting in the off season, like that's cool and all, but like you're going out there and you're killing yourself for two days and then probably practicing once during the week and probably not throwing at all if you're a pitcher. And then, you know, going back the next weekend and playing another tournament. That's way more detrimental to your health, your development, the safety of the players than it is resting or taking time off. I mean, there's there's guys that I know that just play year round, but they play year round on a on a routine. They're building up. They they you know like a, I have a, a junior in high school, so I'll just take him f for for example. So yeah. he plays pretty much year round, but he takes at the end of the summer he takes about a two two month break. So about, you know, July and August, he doesn't even touch a baseball. And then when he gets back in September in, into the swing of things, he'll build up for the first month, really light. Then October it comes and he starts ramping it up a little bit more. He really just started throwing uh, some bullpens and it's, it's December and yeah. you know, his focus, his focus is being ready for February. So he went September, October, and November with really not doing much on the pitching side other than building his arm up and now he's getting into the bullpen. So I think, you know, it really comes down to the player. Are they throwing 300 innings in the summer and then wanting to go and throw again in the fall and in the winter? I mean, that's, that's a lot. I mean, that's obviously an exaggeration, but I think really you have to look and see what your, your, the toll that you're taking on your, that your body is taking during your playing time. Are you, pitching every week and then what are you doing in between that's where i would focus the attention in creating a throwing program that's going to allow you to if you pitch on saturday okay what are you doing on sunday monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday and then when you mm -hmm. pitch again on on sunday you have to really you know set yourself up for success in that area and then once you do that then you're going to be like well you know what i 
I pitched a lot. Let me take a month off and then I'll build right. back up. It's the guys that go and pitch and then they take a month off and then they think, okay, I took a month off. Let me go play a tournament. Well, that's worse than anything else, you know, taking yeah. a month off and then going right back out there and pitching. Yeah. And they're throwing themselves in inning after inning and coach I'm fine kind of deal. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, which colleges do you uh, keep in contact with the most? I know you have to obviously um, kind of be on both sides of it. Who do mm -hmm. you talk to most? In terms of like scouting or in terms of just networking? Yeah, I guess both. Yeah. I mean, you know, really I'm, I'm always talking with college coaches. I'm, I'm always communicating, networking. You know, if I get an email from a coach that is advertising his camp, I'm reaching out to him, seeing what I can do to help. I mean, I get, I get emails from coaches that are D3 coaches, NAI coaches, Juco, you got a Juco showcase coming up. I got a D1 showcase coming up. I'm constant. My inbox, my inbox is flooded with these emails. So I'm constantly in communication with, you know, coaches from California to New York down to Florida. Wow. So there's no particular like, oh, this college we keep in contact with and we bridge out from there. It's like everybody. No, no, yeah, because the thing is, we we don't want to be con confused with a recruiting agency. Like, I'm not going to connect a kid with a coach. I'm more mm. so going to give the kid the tools to promote himself because that's really, you know, w like what like I said earlier, we said let's use Instagram to get our brand out there. And we've realized that kids can use Instagram to get their name out there as well. Right. So it's not a matter of, you know, I'm going to have to do the legwork to, to talk to this kid and then talk to this coach and then connect them. I really want to show them that they can do that on their own without spending thousands of dollars to have to go and do that. Sure. Sure. Um, any events coming up that you guys are either hosting or taking a big part of? Yeah, absolutely. We have our professional baseball tryout. We partnered with the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball back in 2018. And essentially what we do is we're going to host pro tryouts for them for the next five years. Dang. And yeah, so we did our first one earlier this year in Lakeland. We had 284 guys. 11 of them signed on the spot. Another 30 of them went on to play pro ball after the event. Um, this year we're actually expanding to two events. One's going to be in Orlando, Florida at the Boomba Sports Complex, and that's going to be March 30th to April 2nd. And then the week after, we're going to Tucson, Arizona at the Kino Sports Complex, April 6th to the 9th, and that's going to be another four-day uh, pro baseball tryout. Wow. So how, how, do you, how do you manage to like host them and go ahead and reserve fields and all that stuff to make sure that you have the best possible you know, situation for these players? I tell you what, it's not easy. We we spent probably two months on the phone, on the on the email, uh, talking with different complexes. You know, going through contracts, going through all these things, only to realize, well, they don't have this. So we can't do it. We can't do it over here on this date. So mm -hmm. really, it, it took a lot of legwork to do that. Um, I think really the the unique part about our tryouts is that the partnership with the Atlantic League allows us to guarantee some players being signed. Where like if you go to a winter league or you go to other pro tryouts. Yeah, they might have you know pro coaches there, some MLB scouts there, but they're not guaranteeing any contracts. Last year, at our last event, we had 12 MLB scouts. We had every independent professional baseball league represented, and then we guaranteed eight contracts would be signed on the spot. Eleven wow. guys, eleven guys were signed, and then this year, now that we're expanding, this is our second year doing it. We're actually guaranteeing 34 players will be signed at the event. Holy, so where do I sign up? 
<laughs> well, you can go to prospectdugout.tv and go ahead and secure secure your roster spot for the event. Hey, man, I don't know why you're laughing. All right, <laughs> my arm's loose right now. You got now. a podcast to run. You got an Instagram account to run, man. <laughs> yes, it's very kind of you uh, to be thinking about it. Um, well, that's really cool, though. How, how do you make sure, like, okay, hey, you know, we have to get these eight contracts signed, but you know, maybe someone somebody's not really willing to do that. How do you make sure you go, hey, we need eight? Or, oh, that's, or 34. That's due, yeah, that's due to our partnership with the Atlantic League. So their responsibility in that aspect is they're guaranteeing those those roster spots. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it really was just you know one roster spot per team. And this year, since uh, since they are adding a road team, they actually have a brand new team coming into the league that they don't have anybody on the team. So that team's actually going to pick. 20 players from the tryouts to be oh. uh yeah to be on the roster and then the other teams are going to select two players each so that's a total of 34 so really you know the atlantic league's been around for a while they're in close relationship with major league baseball they've done a lot of the rules testing for major league baseball mm-hmm. you know before before major league baseball did the you know the intentional walk without throwing a pitch the atlantic league did that for two years and tested it out so they're they're really you know kind of leading the charge when it comes to you know testing out these rules initiatives and so that connection that they have has allowed us to get major league scouts there that's allowed us to get some you know at last year's event there was 11 guys there that had big league experience so really that connection that we have the atlantic league allows us not only to offer those contracts but it also enables us to get those players that have good experience to you know to come and and, you know put their skills on display at, at the tryout yeah and and I actually heard, and I can't remember what the rule was that uh, the Atlantic League is going to be testing out this year. A lot of people are kind of up in arms about. Do you know what I'm talking about? They did the uh, automated strike zone. They oh, steal, first. stealing first base, I think, was the one. Oh, yeah, stealing yeah. first base. And then another one that they were going to do, but they actually kind of backed out on that, was moving the mound back two feet. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, stealing for, I saw – I had seen that somebody had stolen first base – for the first time, and uh, a lot of people were just upset about it, thinking this is going to happen in the MLB. But this, but this doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, right? That's correct. Yeah, they're they're just testing out some of these concepts. Me personally, I'm not trying to steal first base because that counts for an 0 for one because it's an error on the catcher. Oh, so I'm not trying yeah. to go 0 for one. Yeah. Right. So okay, yeah, but but if you're like in the in the midst of a game, it's tie ball game, and you need a guy on first, this might you know it just changes the game. It's, for sure. This is true. Or you could just hit a home run. <laughs> Dingers only. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, do you have any notables from your events that you might, you know, be able to mention? Maybe, you know, somebody that made it to the big leagues um, after going to one of your uh, showcases. Uh, we did not have anybody go to the big leagues after after the tryout last year. We had a couple guys and I'm blanking on the names right now. They're the all the names of the players that were signed are listed on our website, oh, but nice. two guys, two, yeah, two guys went up to triple a and another guy went to single a and then the rest of the guys played independent ball. So, so soon probably or possibly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's very cool. All right. So let's get into some of the random stuff that we like to touch on. One of which is the, the biggest black Friday steal that you had that was very um, recently done. Can you tell me like maybe your black Friday experience? I love going to Walmart. <laughs> just like, to, are you just a people watcher? I love people watching. Like you can just get that stuff on Amazon and stay home and watch TV. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I don't know what I was doing the other day before this past Black Friday. I did not go out for Black Friday this year. I'll confess that. But I was, I was going somewhere on on Thanksgiving, and I drove by a Best Buy and I saw police lights. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? So I mm. looked over there. There was a line of people in the afternoon on Thanksgiving Day lined up outside of Best Buy. Like, what? I don't understand what you could possibly <laughs> need at Best Buy that bad that you would stand out outside. I mean, we're, no. I'm in Florida, so it really it wasn't that bad of weather. It was like probably like 75 degrees. Mm. So, yeah, that's not too bad. But I, yeah, I had seen some things that people were saying, you know, yeah, I didn't do Thanksgiving this year. I waited 12 hours in line. And what blows my mind about this is that it's a discount. You know, it's not free. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's right. not, it's not a, something that'll never come out again. You know, you can just get it again the next day a little bit, more expensive i guess i don't know it's it's a, how many how many years can you go and get a brand new flat screen yeah yeah nah. <laughs> and and i and i went to the walmart uh in my close to my hometown and it was insane there were people that were rushing to the dolls they didn't need you know people were just yelling out five dollars right here and it's just it's a weird it's a it's an interesting experience but yeah it's it's always fun to hear somebody else's Black Story, uh, Black Black Friday story. Cyber Monday is a little bit more exciting for me because you can just stay at home and order off the internet. Yeah, but there's just no physical fun in that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all mental on that one. Have you seen those videos on Instagram of people stamping the door as they as they open the door at six a.m. Oh yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. That's the one day of the year that you have to go and watch the news. Like you have to watch it on Saturday. <laughs> You're like, yes. I got to see who got trampled, like <laughs> what happened. Okay, so um, I want to know, and we're going to kind of move back into baseball more, um, which team do you feel worst for over the past 10 years? And I'll give you some options. You can actually branch out, but uh, some of the notables, Marlins, Padres, Orioles, White Sox, Mariners. Which which team do you feel worst for? Uh, I think the, the people in Baltimore have had to suffer – watching Chris Davis suck up that big contract <laughs> mm. and not do anything. I feel bad for the guy, but, but the thing is like, I don't know that that's been a rough, like they had Cal Ripken for so long. They had, you know, mem member, um, what was his name? I'm totally just blanking on his name. It was the lefty, um, Brady Anderson had that mm. one year. He had 50 bombs. And then he kind of, kind of tailed off. Um, but like they went, they had, you know, won the world series. They did some cool stuff with Kyrie Ripken. And then all of a sudden, like they just, they haven't been doing anything. They got a great yeah. ballpark. They got the great scenery. Ken Griffey Jr. Hitting the ball off the thing and off the building in the home run derby, like all this cool stuff, but like they don't do anything. Right. <laughs> right. There's yeah. always a hype. There's always a hype about it. Yeah, we got this, we got this. And then, so I, I feel bad for the Orioles fans. I feel bad for the Marlins fans too, because I mean, Here's the thing, though. If you get them to the playoffs, they're going to win the World Series. So as long as they can at least get to the playoffs, <laughs> then then they're good because they're two for two in the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so um, let's go ahead. Um, what about your ballpark go-to um, food item? What do you – when you go and you're like, I'm hungry, I'm going to the concession stand, what is that thing that you're like, I need that? I don't know how people eat, like, hamburgers and stuff at a, at a baseball game. I get, like, nachos. I would eat – I eat a hot dog. Mm -hmm. You got to have mustard and you got to have relish on it. Okay. That's it. Can't put ketchup on it. No ketchup. Um, maybe, maybe at home you can put ketchup on it, but when you're in the ballpark, you got to put, got to put mustard. Um, I'll <laughs> eat a pretzel, a soft pretzel. Yeah. As long as they give me fresh 
nacho cheese because it's usually just kind of like off to the side Mm -hmm. and then it's cold so i don't like when they do that it's got to be it's got to be warm um and some extra cheese and then maybe some nachos um i did go to uh the phillies ballpark a while ago Mm -hmm. and they've I mean, obviously, Philly has some great Philly cheesesteaks, and and they have some of their their famous. Uh, I don't I don't even know what the brand what the the restaurant name is, but they've got them there. Those are great. But I mean, just I'm basic, just a just a hot dog, man. Hot so, dog and a soda. So ketchup on the hot dog only behind closed doors is what I'm. That's hearing. it. That's it. <laughs> and with corn dogs, you can do it with corn dogs. That's okay. Fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love this. Um, all right, so. You have become, from my eyes and being able to look at your Instagram, you, I'm going to call you the uniform expert. Okay, so you okay. you always throw them up on your story, which if you guys haven't checked it out, go check out Prospect Dugout on Instagram. It's fantastic. Um, but the uniforms, you put them up there for people to judge. And so now you probably know whether or not you like it, but you also know whether or not the you know the general population will like it. So what is mm-hmm. the best uniform combination um, when it comes to color, it's gotta be the powder blue. Okay. It, it, there's, I mean, to me, like I'm looking right now on my phone. Um, the dude from MLB trash talker sent me a text earlier today with the Padres, New Jersey's coming out. Um, cause he was excited cause he's getting the new, he, he said, I have the new Tatis Jersey coming this week, the new pinstripes. Sure. And those are sick. Those are sick. But the powder blues, man, powder blues. Cause you got the Rays, you got the Phillies, you got, uh, the Royals, who else? The Cardinals, all them. With the Rangers the jumped blue. on. Oh, did they? Yeah, it's looking good. I just I like the powder blues. Yeah, it's that's it. So any <laughs> anything with the powder blues though, or does it have to be a dark color to offset it? Or what are you thinking? No, I like I like the the. I mean, you could do like the Rays do the powder blue with the gray pants, and that's fine. That's their Sunday jersey. Um, that's cool. I I like you know the Cardinals do it well with with the red mixed in there. Um, and the Phillies a little bit, but I think going all powder blue is good. Okay, cool, cool. Um, all right. So tell me your thoughts on the Astros, you know, cheating allegations, um, which almost it's, it's basically a reality at this point. It, it happened. Um, Astros cheating using, you know, technology in center field. What do you think on that? And, and how should that go? How should that be treated? <laughs> yes. Change up. Change yes. up. Dude, so here's the thing. They got caught because somebody talked about it. I guarantee you that a lot of the teams are doing exactly what they're doing. Maybe not as obnoxious as that, but everybody is using technology to their I mean, if you look at a game, they're they literally have TVs in the dugout. They have iPads yeah. in the dugout. Like they're they're doing something. Everybody is doing something. Who knows if they don't have earpieces in? Who knows if they don't have, you know, uh, a, a vibrating thing underneath the strap of their wrist guard? Like, there's so many things yeah. that could be happening. It just sucks that the Astros got called out on it by a former player. So right. there's that. I mean, here's the thing. Like, MLB is in a tough spot because what does the rule book say about it? You know, what is what is the violation for using technology to – change the outcome of an at-bat or whatever that may be. They have to follow the rule book on that. So if they're going above and beyond what the rules say, that really the, the Astros are going to have, you know, some sort of, you know, uh, leg to stand on when it comes to that. But I don't think you should 
use technology to cheat. Uh, I definitely think you should steal signs and figure out, figure out a way to do that. But if you have a camera set up in the outfield and you're using that in the middle of the game to, tr- to transmit signs, that's no bueno. I don't yeah. like that. Yeah. You got to cheat naturally. Like, come on. Yeah. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with stealing signs. That's no. part of the game. Like if you don't want your sign to be stolen, then make better signs. Like there's a lot of teams that change their signs every series every time they go yeah. to a new team to, to a, a new series they're changing signs or they're changing an indicator or whatnot you know high school guys it's the same signs you're only seeing a team twice but you know um w- when you're facing teams multiple times we even did that when i was playing independent ball we would change signs when we're coming back to face a team you know for the third and fourth time because hey you know they're hitting this guy well but against everybody else you know he's you know, dicing guys up. So they've got something. So let's pick up the sign or change the signs there, or they know when we're stealing, they know when we're hitting and running. So Mm -hmm. let's change those up. I I think, you know, if there's ways around it, there's ways to do it. And you know, there's ways to combat it, but you really can't do anything about a camera in center field. It blows my mind too, because um, you know, it's, it's not that hard to change signs during the game, but once you're Mm -hmm. able to see it, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I don't know. It's, Mm -hmm. it's something, but um, what are some of the teams or what is the team you are most excited to watch in 2020? You know, the, the Padres with what they've got going on there, they, they sign Machado, they've got Tatis. He's a lightning player. Although now that, you know, now that you've asked this question, I know we talked about it earlier before we started, I just was reminded of the blue Jays. Like, mm. Holy cow. Like Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero jr. Uh, Biggio, some of those, I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be a good little team to watch, not only this year, um, but the next, you know, five, 10 years, if they, if they keep them together, stay healthy and, you know, get some, some pitching, you know, behind that and, and really put that together. Yeah, that will be fun to watch. And speaking of watching what, if, if you're watching a baseball game and there's a choice between a really good college baseball game and an MLB game, which one are you choosing? Depends on who's announcing the MLB game. <laughs> So it comes down to the, the entertainment part of it as well. Yeah, definitely, because, you know, the style of NL West, AL East, AL Central, NL Central, like that's totally different styles of baseball. When you mix NL and AL, there, that's a little bit of excitement. So I would like to watch an interleague game. Um, mm. You know, so it really just depends on that. I'll watch a college game when it's on. It really, it really just depends on on who that is. If I don't know some of these prospects, if I don't know some of these guys, that that could be, you know, it could be distracting if I'm doing something else. But like, if it's guys that I know, or if it's you know top twenty five team that you know some stuff's been going on with them, I'll watch that. But I, I really, I would prefer to watch an MLB game over a college, and and then I would I would narrow it down to who the announcer is, but then also what what club I'm watching. Is it which division, which you know part of the country am I watching? Okay. Very cool. Yeah, and I guess I haven't really heard that answer ever before. So um, that's definitely unique. I told you I'm more of an analytics guy than than a fan. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, Joel, thank you so much for being on the show. I do have one last question for you, and that'd have to be um, any advice you'd give to any young players trying to make it in baseball? Work hard. Stop saying that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. The, The hardest thing to do is not to do the work. The hardest thing to do is to make the decision to do the work because, you know, everybody contemplates doing something. Everybody wishes they were doing something, but it's the guys that actually take that first step and do it. 
the next step becomes a little bit easier and then the next step becomes a little bit easier because mm. you get acclimated with what you're doing and then you know it's a domino effect where you see improvement and then you just automatically start doing things so my advice right. is stop contemplating stop planning you know, stop putting out a roadmap. Yes, you want to have goals and this. Now, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about stop trying to figure out what you're going to do and just make a decision to go do something mm -hmm. and then figure it out from there. Sure. All right. Well, hey, thank you once again, Joel Hartman of Prospect Dugout. Go and give him a follow on social media. Thanks for listening to the All Sports Best Podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast or Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter and join the conversation. Till next time, this is the All Sports Best Podcast. Ah!